What's going on, everybody? This is your host, BJ Parker, and this is the Making the Turn Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Making the Turn podcast. I am your host, BJ Parker, and we're back with another episode. And I'm back in my hometown, back in the hometown where I kind of grew up. And um, I'm out here in Indian Hills in Murfreesboro. And I've got uh, the golf course superintendent, Brad Marcy, with me. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Man, I appreciate you uh, doing this with me. And, um, have you watched, have you had you had a chance to listen to any of the podcast? I I have uh thought it was really cool. Um excited to be doing it. What do you think about this whole podcast concept? You think it'll be something that's good for our industry or take it, off? You know, I've yours was the first podcast I've ever listened to. Um and primarily for the fact that I saw it out there it was people that I knew doing it. Sure. And uh you know, I'm I'm all about trying to support something like that. So I uh, went out and listened to it and figured out how to download it. Took me a minute to figure out how to do that, but uh, you know, it, it seems like a good medium of of, of uh, transporting information. So, uh. well, it's my goal to bring light to our industry uh, across all you know walks of life: the landscape industry, the lawn care, uh, pretty much whatever, and. I want to do that, and I and I felt like this is a good opportunity to get to know guys like yourself. I come from the golf side of things, so it's more, it's easier for me to talk the golf and the golf turf maintenance. There's just not a lot of things that are out there that are, that are helping guys. I want to I want to give exposure, and see where this thing goes. I mean, I, like we were talking prior, you know, got a lot of a lot of positive feedback. Uh, we're international now, so we're you know we're shout out to those guys in Canada who download us, but. I'm excited about the process, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And uh, I appreciate you uh, be willing to do this. And and if you um, you know have a chance to share it or tell your buddies or you know all the guys that I'm wanting to get in touch with and talk to, be sure to tell them it ain't that big of a deal, and we just have a good old time. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, um, so enough about all that. But um, why don't you uh, give us give me a little uh, about yourself, your background, um, sort of how you ended up at Indian Hills, and uh, Tell the people out there about Brad Marcy. Well, um, let's see. I got in the golf business, uh, I think my GCSA card says 19 years right now. Um, and I think I've got one year that I wasn't involved with GCSA. Uh, so I, that'd be 20 years that I've been in it. I'm 40 now, so that'd put me in at 20 years old. Uh, like we were discussing earlier, I'd, I'd gone to Chattanooga. UTC my first year of, of school and had so much fun they told me I needed to go to school somewhere else <laughs> um, so I came back home and a buddy of mine said hey man why don't you come work out with me at this place uh, Ravenwood which I had was a country club back home that I'd grown up playing golf sure. at uh, was a member there as a kid and uh, started working out there with Scott Whaley and Brent Green and uh, Kirk Gates had just left uh right before I got there and uh, Justin Ferris is still out there I was working with him and uh, Scott Cole came in after a year or so and a bunch of familiar names around our industry now um, still locally uh, and it's funny I had a conversation with 
with Scott Whaley last night uh, via text message. He just showed up randomly. He was like, hey, we need to get some guys back together and go <laughs> catch a ball game or something. And, uh, but started working with all those guys over there and just really fell in love with it. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it's not there anymore, uh, as, as is the way of golf now. Sure. The small places seem to have a lot of attrition going on. Um, but uh, went from there and decided I wanted to get my education in, in turf management somehow and went to MTSU and got in the ag business program. Uh, got a, a degree in agribusiness, agri-science, uh, with plant and soil being the, the primary on that. Uh, and started working at Old Fort for, for Joel Beckham uh, while I was uh, in school. Sure. And uh, worked, you know, as much as I could, as much as school would allow, and ended up being let go from Old Fort when they decided to renovate. Uh, just too much staff, too many people, and, and I wasn't one of them. Yeah. But uh, turned out to be a good <clears> thing because I w- ended up getting a job at Stones River and worked for uh, – for Trey Cutshaw for uh, four or five years um, and uh, learned a lot over there and, and finally got an opportunity to uh, get a superintendent's position over here. Uh, that, I guess that's 11, 11 years ago. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, just started, I think, uh, somewhere in the start of January is would be where I started my 12th year, so – just wrapped up 11. Yeah, so. well, sounds like you spent the majority of your time here in, in uh, the Middle Tennessee area. You you like it. I mean, obviously you like it around here. You kind of stuck around. Yeah, uh, no, I was yeah. bor- born in Mount Juliet and, yeah. uh, you know, been really fortunate that I haven't had to go far. So uh, it's it's worked out really well for me. I've had a couple of job interviews uh, that, that I've had that were out of state and have said no to, yeah. um, you know, uh, we had one, my wife and I, a long time, well, not a long time ago, but uh, we had a point where we were looking at going to the Atlanta area. She had already gotten a job offer, and I found a course that had an opening, and we got a job offer. We both got job offers that weekend, but found out we were having a kid, and we're like, you know, it's probably a better idea to stay closer to home and yeah. family with big life changes, and, uh, you know, just never really had a reason to branch out and have to leave home, so been nice to hang around here yeah well I, I i mentioned it in the intro but i grew up in murfreesboro i, I think i started school here in third grade went to mitchell nielsen uh went to central high school or middle school i don't even know what it is now central I think it's, it's like a magnet central school magnet. or something central magnet yeah. and then i grad and then i went to oakland which there was only oakland and riverdale back then and then worked I actually worked here as I parked carts and worked in the pro shop. A um, bunch of old guys. They probably um, Barry Chandler, Joey Bednard's a bunch of older guys. Dave Norman, I think, was here maybe. But um, so I, I didn't do it. And Monica Cooper was a superintendent. I think yeah. Craig Sewell was here around that time too. Yeah. So I worked. I, I got to do a little outside. But, I mean, I, I was in the – I cut my teeth in the golf business playing golf. You know, I started, started and then, then I – found my passion outside but yeah i love this area man and and um i think it's a cool place to be around and it's cool driving in to see a bunch of the changes so uh, i know you went through a bunch of changes but um you know talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done since you've been here some of the differences i mean i know the the housing developments changed since i've seen it so there's probably a thousand ways you can go but 
and I know you went through a huge uh, kind of renovation construction and that took a couple of, you know, over, over a period of time. So talk a little bit about some of that and I'll interject and uh, ask you questions along the way. Yeah, no, we, uh, the easier question would be what haven't we done? Um, let's see. Uh, the first major project I had when I got here um, was we had a new shop built. So, uh, you know, we got I got to welcome in that, that uh, January and I got to learn where everything was. And then we tore it all down in July and built a brand new one. So that was six months into being a superintendent and I'm building a new shop and it was, it was awesome. Uh, did you get to design it or did, how they, how, they already had some designs in place and, and you know, there wasn't a whole lot I could do about that. The footprint of the area was the footprint of the area. You sure. can't really get outside of that, but we weren't planning on having any office space or anything in it to start with. So, so that was uh, something that we didn't have to, occupy space with so um you know made for our technician space to be better and and our chemical storage area to be better the we're probably lacking a little bit in equipment storage area but you know the footprint is the footprint yeah and and never have enough space do you yeah it's it's better better than just about any other shop i've worked at yeah uh, as as far as uh being fluid i guess sure but uh you know it, it's it's very adequate for what we we were trying to do over here um and yeah we did that uh in july of 08 uh thinking back to it um after that we started working on uh bunkers and just trying to add some tea boxes here and there and uh trying to maintain for a while and just just keep up and we had at one point in time we had i think 38 or 40 bunkers uh looking back at old maps and we're way down from there yeah. a lot of them were just kind of put into place over time and weren't weren't even close to being in a in a reasonable area for for penalty of play sure uh, a lot of them were penalizing the short shot instead of penalizing the shot that went right of the fairway of the landing area. Right. But were you able to work with the architect or we, we weren't, um, we, we've kind of stayed, uh, everything we do is pretty much in house and, and we've kind of got a, a, a goal line where we know everything needs to be. It's not an official master plan, but, uh, it's getting closer to one every time we do something. Um, but uh, we've done tee boxes and bunkers. We've got one one sand trap left on the course that that still needs to be fixed or removed, one or the other, and uh, and we'll have that one wrapped up. Um, we did a, uh, a master uh, or a, a master a uh, irrigation renovation um, in uh, I guess it's uh, two winters ago. Uh, we had uh, Stephen Nutt and their group come out and. Uh, do this big affluent system that we have uh most everybody knows we partner with a, a corporation that that provides affluent water that that they need to get rid of and and we've got a a place to put it sure uh, so uh we've partnered with them and we we put in a a massive uh uh irrigation system that i i've never seen anything as big as it is uh our our brand new pump station we did the wet well and I thought it was a freaking house when I drove in. <laughs> it, it looks like <laughs> Jeez, it. Jeez, dude. Not as nice as my house. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, we've it's it's pretty cool. We've got four hundreds in there and a twenty five that are powering that thing. Everything's on independent VFDs, um, and, uh, and we've got another little five horse PM pump on it. But we we kind of as we were designing the pump station, we we kind of thought, you know, what's going to happen if one of these pumps goes down, and you know, we got to wait three months to get one, and we're not able to do what we want to do, yeah. and. Uh, we decided that you know let's just get another motor and another pump and and have one sitting and waiting well it's, it turns out it's not the best idea just to have a motor sitting on a shelf not being used um so we decided we'd design it where we put another motor and pump in there and it would rotate that pump in you know depending on where and hours on these pumps depending on you know whatever's going on at any given day if we're running full bore it may be pump a b and c running or it may be pump c d and a running uh depending on who's who's the weakest weakest link yeah. you know that guy doesn't need to run today so if something ever did happen to one of them we've got we still have full pumping capacity until we have the ability to get a new pump in yeah. but can you you want to talk a little bit because i think you guys system is pretty I mean, it's not your basic system, no. I, and but I, I would like—I mean, I would like to talk a little bit about it and some of the nuances. And you know, you feel free to t- say who you use and whatnot. I mean, I—I, yeah. I, I, you know, we're not a—we're yeah. not a product-based system here, <laughs> man. No we, sponsors, we, going no today, sponsors huh? yet. If they want a sponsor, <laughs> yeah, we can. But we're going to talk about the good stuff and the bad stuff and everything in between. But I would like for you to kind of talk about the pump station. Which ones did you use? Yeah, some of the nuances. I mean, what uh, you know. I think you got some pretty cool controls and different things, and and um, so I, I'm I'm in favor of the one you went yeah. with. And of course, we, Stephen Nutt and them do a great job. Yeah, them. no, I was I Shout was really thil- thrilled with uh, with Stephen and and uh, and Clay and their group. I'm gonna they, get them on here one day. They are you know just outstanding to work with. Uh, uh, yeah, every, everybody that they had was just just incredible. Um, and and what they had to go through out here, we had so much rock. That, that has to be sawn. You know Murfreesboro as well as I do. It's, it's one big shallow rock. Yeah. And, you know, they had 12-inch uh, rock saws out here going nonstop. So it was it was crazy. Uh, the first hole that we got into was number 10. And uh, we were we were kind of projecting timelines and stuff before. And they were like, yeah, it should take us about three days per hole. That first hole took them about three weeks. And I was I – was, <laughs> fit to be tied well that's how that doesn't continue right no yeah (laughs) you know it was it went 100 yards and i said y'all are going to run into hard rock here just trust me when you get to the start of the fairway it's going to be rock and by god it was rock all the way down but was there any testing prior to or or was it just you just kind of knew we had a consultant uh trevor holman uh Mm -hmm. with aquaturf uh he did a great job too uh we actually had two consultants that that we had bid this project or uh, bring this project to us. We had Tony Alton come in yeah. and uh, bring us his takeoff too. And uh, we, we ended up going with Trevor. Um, but uh, he brought in some uh, geological maps and stuff like that. And he could tell us what every soil type was supposed to be in different areas and the probability of rock in certain areas. Right. And I could look at those maps and I could, from not having <laughs> adequate irrigation in the past, I knew where the rock was because that stuff will burn out pretty quick. Yeah. But uh, looking at those maps, they were pretty accurate. 
Um, and we did use uh, Rainbird uh, for our system wall to wall. We we were. Uh, I really had uh, my heart set on a different pump station, um, but we just decided if we're going to use a company, we're just going to use that company wall-to-wall. Right. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to switch out for a pump station and go to a different company. But uh, um, Did you um, – is it uh, HDPE or – No, we, uh, we found out – while we were doing it, I found a couple studies that, that, that were showing because of our affluent water, it has to have some chlorine in it um, mm-hmm. to treat for potential E. coli scenarios, things like that, EPA mandated. Right. Um, but there are some studies out there, if you look hard enough, that shows that HDP can be degraded pretty quickly by chlorine levels and by high temperature water. Uh, basically, it can turn it into a dust from the inside. Right. working its way out and uh we did not want to run into that scenario and be the guinea pig on that right uh, we, were, we were thinking about doing uh hdp on laterals and uh pvc on main lines and doing a hybrid system but we just said you know let's just go pvc wall to wall and uh you know worst case scenario we'll have some two inch stuff but i've i've never had i've had like one maybe one main line break that I've ever had to take care of with irrigation. Uh, maybe I've just been lucky. Right. Um, but, and it wasn't that bad. You know, we were down for four or five hours while we were fixing it and, you know, it's back up and running. Sure. Uh, what bothers me is when you've got lateral lines, two inch lines that are con- continuously breaking and gaskets that are popping out and, stuff like that and somebody's always just entrenched with fixing a two inch line somewhere right. you've always got something closed off but uh we we decided we'd just bite the bullet and go with it and we'd plow in uh glued two inch and it it went pretty smooth uh i, I haven't had any reservations about it yet we've had i think we've had two or three places where we've had something where a fitting's backed off or something like that but uh been really easy fixes um and it, you know we it probably was a couple of spots where we didn't have a good thrust block or something like that and just improved the thrust block and and we're back up and running um but yeah the 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 degradation of the hdp was a primary reason why we decided not to do that yeah that's learning for me i i didn't i yeah it was it was that's not something i knew about yeah. so I, I found one study that that showed something about that, and I brought it to our uh, uh, our consultant Trevor, and he looked he looked up on it further, and he's like, "Yeah, you you right to bring this up. It's got some legitimacy to it, uh, and we probably ought to be cautious with it." So, so was there prior to that? Was there some thought about doing HDP? Yeah, that was that was the goal was yeah. HDP wall to wall. Well, uh, the HDP um, the the lateral lines of HDP. But uh, four inch and down, and everything that was a trunk line being, being uh, PVC. Sure. So, did that change the price at all, or minimal? Negligible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the biggest thing that that changes the price is if you have to open trench and put in PVC and push sticks together, gasketed. Once they said that, once we said you can glue it and pull it, it it didn't make a difference. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the construction company is the biggest one that has the installation process right so 
you may have mentioned earlier, did you, you went with Rainbird. Did you go the IC route? We did use the IC system. Um, and you can see the computer screen yeah. over my shoulder there. Um, it's, it's great. I, you know, it's, it's got everything under the sun. Yeah. Single head control is just, it's, it's amazing. I, and I, I had a system that, that didn't work. I didn't have, I didn't have a central control. I didn't have, uh, I had satellites. Um, but in order to get something to run, I had to go out and hit a satellite, program a satellite. Uh, you know, if a thunderstorm came in that night after I'd checked greens and programmed satellites, I'm coming back out here and, and turning off satellites again. And it was, it was a pain. Uh, and you know, the, it was, see this place was built in somewhere around 84 85 so you know it was 30 something years old at the right. time and uh it was just time for something the wires were breaking all the time we had ground faults all the time uh we would have power wire ground faults going to satellites so it was you know we we've got a bunch of uh old tracking equipment that we had wire trackers and ground fault testers and all the stuff that we'd invested in that we're you know constantly using we're getting pretty good at it too <laughs> but uh you know that this ic system is it's just amazing to be able to control things the way you can on on percentages of a certain head right setting a program and and saying you know i only want this one to run 25 percent, but yet this next one right next to it it's going to run 65 percent and you know, be able to micromanage these things so much that uh, it just makes the job a lot easier. That's huge. I mean, I know my, I'm a little familiar with it. I, I think it's a fabulous system, and I think that the, the ability for you to be able to control your playability of your, your turf areas is huge with this system and allows you a lot of control where thing, days in the past you just didn't have that. Yeah. How many heads did you put in? We've got 1,700. The original plan uh, that we had – we was going to be 2100 um and that was going to be with fairway ins and outs and we ended up thinking you know that's just that's just a little bit overkill yeah um and and so we changed from the it's two big changes going from having the ins and outs in the fairways and we were going to be 751s wall to wall and then we changed to uh 900s in the fairways um or you know, where, where it was outside of greens areas, yeah. um, where we could keep the spacing a little bit larger to keep the head count down a little bit. But we did keep the 751s uh, on the greens and anywhere that was tight areas um, that it just kind of worked itself into a corner. And, and wherever Trevor said, you know, the spacing's kind of coming down here, we need to tighten it up. And, you know, we put 751s in those areas. But uh, yeah, for the majority, it's it's nine hundreds uh, going throughout. But doing increasing the spacing in between heads. Uh, I know that the the common rule is that you know you get tighter spacing and you get better control. Yeah. Well, we've got seventeen hundred heads out there. We can cover everything, so that's not really a big deal to us. But uh, yeah, how, how many acres do you got? Uh, we, if, if you look at our. Uh, our deed it says 153 um we've got i believe we've got about 125 managed yeah so it's it's a pretty decent sized property and and as 
I know I know nobody else can see this map that we're both glancing on yeah. at here, but <laughs> so it looks uh, like a bunch of dots. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of dots, but it's also got a bunch of white void areas in the yeah. middle, and that's all housing. So we yeah. have neighbors all the way around it. We've got four hundred neighbors that that all live on or adjacent to a golf course. Yeah. I, I try to say live adjacent to because none of them actually live on the golf course property. But they like to claim that they live on the golf course. Sure. But uh, kind of my little soapbox there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we've got uh, 400 homeowner, homeowners that live around there. I'm one of them. My, my boss, uh, our general manager, he's one of them. Uh, and our golf shop manager, he's one of the neighbors in here. So we, so we all, you know, we've got a lot of our department heads that have a lot of stock in this place, uh, being nice. Yeah. So the better it is, the better our property values are. So what, what is it like living on a golf course? I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people say it's a double edged sword, but you know, when, when we didn't have, before we'd done the irrigation project, whenever a pipe would break or a head would stick on or just randomly come on i'd get a phone call it it didn't matter if i lived here or if i lived in nebraska i was going to get a phone call either way right uh and you know come and turn the head off and so when i lived across town it was you know a 15 minute drive here 15 <coughs> minute drive back and 30 minutes valving off whatever i'm doing yeah um so you know that's that's an hour of my life that i lost and yeah. now it's okay if if something happened it rarely does anymore but uh when something did happen i, I was living in the neighborhood j before we did the irrigation renovation so it was you know come on my six-year-old son archer yeah. hop in the hop in the cart with me let's go turn off uh, a hole and i've still maintained family time for sure. for that 30 minutes that it took now and i lost that transportation time of of 30 minutes so uh, it, it actually worked a lot better. Um, and you know, I, I like everybody that I work with. Uh, we've had a lot of people who live in the neighborhood who, who do jobs, you know, downstairs, uh, working in the, in the cart facility or, or working behind the counter upstairs, or I've had a few that, that have worked, uh, with me in, in maintenance, uh, that, that live in the neighborhood. And it, it's really kind of cool to, to have that kind of relationship with some of your neighbors where you can spend eight hours a day with them yeah uh, and and different for that matter but it overall I, I i really give it a a thumbs up living living where i work uh well we've i've talked about this on pretty much all the podcasts at some point but our 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 industry this job in particular is it's tough on you you know it's a lot of long hours it's early mornings it's holidays weekends and however you can improve that quality of life with your family, your friends, give you some downtime because the stresses of this job, I, I mean, it's just, it's just there. I mean, it's just part of the reality of it. And it's not the most glamorous job in terms of, you know, things you've got to go through. You have, like you mentioned, you have breaks and odd hours of the day times, you know, you just don't know what you could run into. You have employee issues or whatever. And so I can see how being in close proximity will, provide you some better quality of life and you know not that it's bad I mean I'm not saying that or anything but it's just that I know in my years of experience man you miss a lot of ball games or you miss a lot of time with your kids or you you, you just you can't get away but if you're 
you know, in close proximity, you can make those opportunities and bring your kids along and whatever. So that, that seems like it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. That, and that's, that's what most people said when I said I'm moving to the golf course was, man, they're just going to call you whenever they need something. Well, they call me whenever they need something anyway. Sure. You know, email. Like, they can get, yeah. You, you know, in today's day and age, <laughs> yeah, you're going to get a text, a phone yeah, call, yeah, an email, something. Somebody's yeah. going to say, Hey, can you help us with this? And I might as well be close. Yeah. So, you know, I don't mind helping anybody out and sure don't mind when I'm getting paid for it. Yeah, so. I hear you. Well, with 1,700 heads, surely, guys, you got somebody in charge of that, not you. Yeah, I've got maybe to, two or three guys. I've got, I've got two great assistants, uh, Mark Taylor and Antonio Marin. And uh, Antonio is my irrigation technician, and Mark is uh, he's our uh, chemical technician. But uh, Antonio actually taught me a lot of what I know about irrigation when I was working at Stones River Country Club. Uh, he and I worked over there for I don't know. I guess I guess we worked for about four years together, sure. and uh, and I was the uh, irrigation technician, assistant superintendent. Uh, Mike Brownlee and I were over there together. Uh, kind of the same scenario that I've got Mark and and uh, Antonio doing now is kind of what I was familiar with. So, right. but uh, Antonio, yeah, he was he used to work for uh, Landscapes Unlimited, uh, installing irrigation systems in in Oklahoma. Uh, years back so he's he's installed systems he's maintained systems he knows everything about it and uh he's he's out there today checking some head rotation i know it's a nasty rainy day but he's checking some head rotations sure. on on uh out of play areas and making sure that we're not throwing back into uh into play areas but uh yeah he he takes care of all that stuff for us and uh he's he's phenomenal at it what size? That's awesome. I mean, I know you'd have. I mean, your staff. You can't do anything possibly without a great staff. So, I mean, those guys are probably invaluable. You couldn't say enough about them. But talk a little bit about your size, of your staff. What kind of, what you know, what do you deal with? Say in the peak season versus maybe the winter. Peak season, we'll we'll get up to about, uh, I'd say eleven or twelve, uh, full time staff or we'll mixture of full time part time. I think it comes out to. Uh, as far as full-time equivalents, I think it comes around 10. But uh, uh, we've got a full-time uh, equipment manager, uh, Tim Hines. He's he's uh, one of my year-round guys. And as I said, Mark and uh, Antonio, my assistants, they're year-round. I've got another guy, Sheldon. He's another year-round. And that's, that's the five of us uh, yearly. Yeah. Um, Mark's been here for 20, I think, 25 years. Uh, he... <laughs> He's he's incredible. He does a great job. He's he's kind of uh, the the mascot of the golf course somehow. I mean, he's not not that that's a bad thing, right? But, but he's just been here forever. Sure. Um, and uh, he's, isn't that he's something? There's always a course that has that guy that's been there forever. Yeah. I mean, it, and, it's and great about this it, industry. It, there, there's you know and that when you take a new job or something like that, there's there's always some guy who's been around there who's been putting duct tape on something every other Wednesday that keeps the whole place from blowing up. I'm not up. kidding you. So it's it's nice to have that guy around that can that can say, yeah, I, kn I know what that is. I saw him put that in. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we get up to, we get up to about uh, 10 or 11 uh, during the summer and uh, down to about five during the winter. So, Can you talk a little bit about what your budget is? Uh, we, we're somewhere from, it floats. Um, we're, 
I usually project somewhere around $350,000 a year. Uh, we don't spend a lot of money. We're a small course, uh, privately owned. Um, we, we are technically semi-private. We do have members. Sure. Um, uh, you know, we've, we've had thoughts of going one way or the other, but, uh, for, for the, for the time as it is, you know, we are a semi-private course. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we don't spend, we really just don't spend a whole lot of money. We, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't do a lot of the processes that other courses do. You know, it, it'd be great to spend some money and go out and dry jack stuff or, probably giving plugs to people that's all right <laughs> but hey we, uh, I, i've said this and we always want to do more spend more you know, i mean have, have need a new piece of equipment yeah you go out we're, and we're, you look at stuff and and you see see new process or processes that you know that you'd like to do and you go man i love to do that but at 15 cents a square foot it's not gonna happen yeah but uh you know you try to find ways to be frugal and uh and do the most aggressive things that you can within your means and you know we do a lot of inventing when it comes to cultural practices you know we we just uh stole something off of uh a facebook post that i saw the other day that was brushes on a fairway unit you know and i'll probably never be able to afford groomers on a fairway unit but at least maybe i can stand that grass up a little bit with yeah. a with a brush in front of the mower and uh you know that was a, a 150 dollar you know, uh, Frankenstein that we made. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we, we, we try to get by with what we can, uh, and, and keep it as low as we can. Sometimes we spend them a little bit more. Sometimes we spend a little bit less, but, uh, that's, that's about our wheelhouse is about three fifty. Do you, how many rounds do y'all do? About 30,000 a year. 30,000. Ain't bad. I mean, you know, it, so y'all, you're you're probably on. I'm assuming it's for profit, um, but you know we try to be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is business. the golf business, right? So I mean, you know, it is. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody wishes they had more money or more staff or more labor, and so I mean, it's just one of those things that you just keep plugging along and get by. But um, so we're well, back to uh, some of the things you did on the golf course. I probably will take you know i want to talk a little bit about is your greens conversion so tell me a little bit i think you uh if i'm right on this y'all had bent and you converted over to tiff eagle, tiff eagle. yeah uh so talk a little bit about that when y'all did that and how that's going and um you know yeah. I, hey i'm a bit i'm a i'm a burrito guy so if you got any questions here now's your time to ask. <laughs> trust me i ask questions yeah, all the you. time i'm just kidding yeah. man. i'm not limited on time for asking questions that's for for darn sure um yeah, we uh, we changed over um, in August of uh, 2017, uh, which sounds stupid, uh, and and quite frankly is is way behind the eight ball. Yes, folks, planet. he said August. <laughs> August eight. Greens conversion. Uh so so technically second week of August would be when. So we that's planted. when you started, or when that, you planted? That's when we planted. Okay. Um, we started started spraying out. We we only had about a. A three week spray out time um but uh what was yeah. your drop dead got to plant or you planted on august that's what you said right yeah, we, so so what did you feel like was going to be your time so frame? we went through pike creek and uh and talking with bruce down there um he he thought we could probably go as late as uh second week of august so you know pushing the 14th 
but uh, we had uh, uh, just enough time, and we we had probably the weirdest season that year. We had three hurricane patterns come through, or two hurricane patterns come through, and we had the coolest August that I can remember, which probably didn't hurt too bad uh, for the simple fact that you didn't have to worry about scorching sprigs or anything sure. like that going on. Um, and you know when you're when you're growing the sprigs in, the, you know as long as it's above eighty something degrees, you're probably going to be fine with with getting the sprigs to grow. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it was wild. It was up and down. It was cloudy. Uh, but then September and and October rolled in, and it warmed back up like nobody's business. So it was like we got an extra two or three weeks of growing season out of it. Um, but yeah, we 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 decided uh, to go with with the uh, tiff eagle um, for a couple of reasons. Um, a lot of people I talked to said that they saw more more green up activity earlier and later with tip tip eagle than with the with the other varieties um and my mindset was you know i'm already this far out you know if i've got something that's more active further into the season then i want to get every day i can out of it yeah and number two was uh mutations uh you know it, it sounds like and you know i'm not a professor it sounds like these are that that tiff eagle is a little more resistant to mutations than than the other varieties and you know five years from now i might be wrong you know i could be eat up with mutations you never know but that that was the best research that i could find and uh and those are the main two reasons that that we went that route um been been very happy with it so far i've been maintaining uh bent grass for the last for 18 years prior to that yeah well i guess 19 years technically um and now i've got one season of of warm season under my belt and uh it it, it's phenomenal um so how did the grow in actually go i mean did it the grow in went great we had we had one issue with what appeared to be one box of sprigs and i'm not pointing a finger at anybody saying something was wrong with it but the last box that, that we got out was the back end of 16 green and, and all of 17 green. And for some reason, that box just didn't take. And we ended up uh, calling down and getting a truck, uh, getting about eight pallets of, of Tiff Eagle sod. And we cut out those greens in those areas and, and sodded them in. Yeah. And those were actually the ones that I had the most trouble with uh, coming in the next season because they didn't really... I think it was probably third third week of August before we decided to do it because we noticed that the sprigs just weren't weren't taking off like everything else yeah. and uh just getting down so late that the the roots just really didn't knit through uh to the greens uh profile um and so we, they were growing they were doing fine but the roots were just staying in that sod layer yeah. and and all winter when you when you cut a cup you could see it volcano up around that that whole location and it's just like man is that is that going to be okay in just one inch of sod and as cold of a winter as we had last year i know there was a bunch of issues of 
people having some trouble coming out of it, and we had a little trouble on on that green. Everywhere we had sod, we had some issues. Did you try like heavy aerification or anything? I'm we, sure you went we through. We were, uh, yeah, we were aerifying every two weeks. Yeah, uh, that was and still nothing. The the big the biggest thing. Well, we 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 got it back. Yeah. Uh, this spring we got it back. It was probably about twenty five percent was what we had lost on it, um, but uh, we we didn't use any PGRs on any of the areas that we were. We just kind of treated it like it was a growing process, yeah. and you know a lot of fertility, um, probably excessive amounts of water in these areas, and uh, and a lot. Oh, can't remember i say i said fertility and no pgrs and, and right. probably excessive water and yeah. and that was kind of our our process for trying to grow them back in um and yeah we were we had everything back in probably about mid-june so it took a little while longer but you know i'm it's probably not too terrible no i mean to be expected and what you went through the late season that's i don't know anybody that would probably offer a whole lot of expertise or advice i mean just kind of shooting from the hip on that one and then you got to roll with it and and that's what you're up against i mean as long as you can get it growing and then protect them through the winter you're going to grow them in again in the spring and hope for the best and so sounds like it wasn't the worst no it it wasn't the worst and i was you know i was coming out and i was covering those i was so worried about them i would come out um in october if it was getting cool at night i was like okay i'm I'm pulling the cover over it and i'd be out there by myself pulling a pulling a cover on one of our most awkward greens on you know before dusk (laughs) just waiting for that last golfer to roll through because it was on 17 sure had to be the last place on the course it couldn't be number one green but uh yeah, it was, you know, I, I was definitely a little bit more worried about those going into winter than I was the rest of them. But on, on our grow-in, we ended up with, with some roots that were pushing six inches, you know, on that short time frame of a grow-in. That's so, sweet. And then we, we did this little putting green that we walked across coming over to the office yeah. uh, last summer. We did it a little more reasonable time, like the uh, a little bit after July 4th, I think we got that one down. But uh, – so we've got we didn't have anything previous to that to to do repair from we didn't have a nursery or anything like that so we decided to finally convert this used to be a swimming pool to a uh an actual putting green so that we can have a warm-up green and we can dedicate half of our uh larger putting green to be a nursery if we need it so uh so you said this is the set is it going in the second season is that yeah we're that, going in the second season we're we're a little over a year old so i mean it's what the 10th middle of february almost i mean i looking at them today they're green they're they're, they're green. pretty green so yeah, they're I mean, green. You know, and uh, i know that's gonna like we talked about it's gonna create a few challenges if you get some cold nights and yeah this yeah, is it really does worry me a little bit so but you know, hey, it's it's what Mother Nature deals us, and yeah. uh, all we can do is kind of bob and weave and and try to deal with what she's throwing at us. I tell I've told people you've probably heard this. I, I'm not telling you probably anything new, but I mean, with Bermuda, you just you just sort of adjust your mindset to when your trouble t- uh, your your trouble time is. You know, with Bent, you're looking at trying to survive summer and get through the heat of the summer here, and in, with Bermuda, you're you know fall's not near as an issue as spring you know in that, that early to you know late winter to early spring green yeah. that's really your critical time because 
you know, a lot of things can go wrong if you don't yeah. if you don't have all your ducks in a row. Yeah, so. and that's you know, last year we actually were thinking about pulling our covers back in from from the staging on the course, and you know, I was I was getting ready to say, all right, just a rainy day, let's go pick them up and state and stack them, and uh, started looking at the weather forecast, and I'm like, oh, we might want to leave those out for another couple days and see how this rolls through, but uh, just managing against a couple frost scenarios is kind of bothersome but uh especially here in february where we could still get down and have a you know a, a good cold night in the teens uh and what that could potentially do so yeah i learned my lesson about the covers the hard way you always want to get them off the course because they look you know just unsightly but taking them in too early <laughs> man you <laughs> guys your guys look at you like man we got to take them back out again like yep yeah. i mean yeah. so I, you just i mean grin and bear it and leave them out there maybe find a place that they don't wear the grass out or move them around every once in a while but well, yeah if i've got a dead spot under him i'm okay with that yeah <laughs> i noticed uh i'm gonna say some tree work but it looks like a lot of tree work we have but, we yeah so um, i know i guess the conversion created a uh, a scenario where you had to cut some trees down. Yeah, we we were noticing some shade issues this summer in a couple of areas. Uh, we've we've known from day one that we've had a shade issue on number five green. Um, number eight was a little bit more of a surprise to us. Uh, we we were catching a lot more uh, shade in the summertime than we were in the in the fall, um, and really kind of snuck up on me. And we had to take out somewhere around. 12 or 15 trees on the riverbank of, of number eight green uh pretty pretty quickly sure um just when we saw it starting to develop and and it's it's amazing when you start letting the sun in and you can you can see it amazing you know, how it happens it just it perks back up yeah. so uh it's kind of it's kind of cool how how bipolar this grass is you yeah know, you give it uh two shady days and you watch it start looking like junk and then you give it another sunny day right after that and some warm temperatures, and it just looks awesome again. Yeah. And it's like it, turning a switch. It's that, it's that quick. But, uh, yeah, we, we've been taking out uh, – I bet we've taken out 20 or 30 trees this, this winter. Um, just some some areas we had some, uh, some damage from a year ago that – I'm not sure why, but we had a lot of trees that died around number 17. I'm not sure if it was a beetle or what, but – uh, cold weather could have done it. I, I'm, I don't have an honest answer for it. I just know they're not alive. And uh, we cleared cleared out all around 17 tees, and it really just kind of opened up the view. And most every every one of the golfers I've had that have come through that have commented on it have said, man, that looks really great where y'all cleaned out all those trees. The view going backwards is phenomenal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really the intention. We were just trying to get rid of dead wood. I um I asked this question because I I I'm curious because I dealt with it at Brentwood. Did, did you get a lot of did you get any kickback from anybody like homeowners members about cutting trees down? And is that something you had to like get approved? What was the process? Because I asked that not not really to try to create an issue, but I I just know my situation. We had some homeowner issues and some things where people were a little like taken back by tree work or whatnot so did you deal I've, with anything i've had one or two yeah um we're in and more of it is questioning property lines 
than anything. Right. We've got, like I said, we've got 400 homes that, that, that go around this golf course, and we've got white stakes all the way around. There's there's houses on both sides of most every hole out here, and uh, those white stakes aren't accurate for property lines. They're they're accurate for, hey, we're trying – excuse me. Yep. Trying to keep the golfers out of your yard. Um, and so they're probably in a little, we're probably giving you a little bit more yard than, than you actually have. So we get landscape beds, we get ornamental trees and stuff. They get planted and, and kind of encroached along property lines. Right. We don't say a whole lot about it until somebody puts a fence on it, but we've had some storms that, that take a, a tree down and, and somebody says, Hey, are you going to come take your tree? And turns out when you look at the property maps that that it's on their property or or it could be vice versa yeah. you know we we want to take a tree down but but yet it it might be just right on the edge of somebody's property line but usually they're they're hammered out pretty quickly and and pretty easily yeah. um and property line is usually the dictator in that in that respect i haven't had anybody say oh, i can't believe you're taking down my morning shade tree uh, or anything like that and I try to take that into account whenever we're we're looking at removing a tree. Is is this you know are they going to have the sun glaring in their back window now, or and is it more important to pick a fight with this guy than it is to deal with a shade issue over here? Yeah. So, um, I, I haven't run into a whole lot of headaches with it. I, I've never had a, a tree hugger come up to me and say I'm killing the world or anything like that. But, yeah. Well, be glad you haven't because it it happens. I mean. I, I I don't it didn't happen a lot and and but I just know that we it was a completely different scenario we had we had golfer easements at Brentwood and so properties came out into the golf course so that was blurred lines between yeah. where the you know and we're actually main, I'm yeah. actually maintaining turf that's actually your property but we have a uh, you know an understanding and so we had trees that may be a an issue with say safety or some playability. And we want to work on so there was a lot of almost every instance especially when they came across when they when they were close to or near a home we had to we had some issue but i i did have a guy who planted a tree on the course yeah you know that was kind of a different story but uh yeah came out to 14 one morning and there was a brand new uh 15 foot uh, I think is it a memorial? A, a, no, just just a tree. Just a tree, like a dogwood. Just he planted it behind his house. Had a company come out and plant it, and I'm like, what in the blue <laughs> world is going on here? And uh, you know, we, we ended up just pulling it out and removing it. But you know, so are, are the majority of the homeowners here? Are they members or? I mean, I know you said it's semi-private, but are they? No, uh, our our homeowners are. Uh, our, our member, we've got about somewhere around 50 members, um, and probably 25% of that lives in the neighborhood. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've, we've got a good small membership base, and, and they're great. Um, but the majority of our dollar comes from, from the paying customer off the street. Sure. The, the weekend tea time, that's, that's where we make our money. 30,000 rounds, that's a good good amount. Yeah, well, that, that's, you know, I'm, I'm ballparking that. Yeah. We're, we're usually somewhere from, from 28 to 30. That's that's usually our, our wheelhouse. And are y'all open every day of the week? Yeah, every day, yeah. But, uh, but Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
<laughs> like clockwork, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. No, we we don't get the maintenance Monday or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we now we get we'll, we'll close for uh, airification. Uh, I think we're going to do that in late July this year. Um, but yeah, that'll be the only other date that we we actually close. So. Yeah, it's always. I felt. I found that it was always good to close down, get it done, reopen. It's just to get everything done and out yeah, of the way. You know, we've. My goal has always been to have it open the next morning. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's just been tough. You know, you go through you know a hard summer with bent grass, and you're t- looking at really, really soft uh, surfaces. You know, when you're air fine in the fall, and sometimes it just gets away from you and got to slow down your process and take a little bit more time and yeah uh, I've, I've had it take two or three days to get it all wrapped up in the fall air fine bent grass before and I imagine you know, the weather doesn't cooperate much around here either uh, <laughs> man, i don't know last year we had a dome over this or this this year it kind of yeah. felt like we had a dome over this place it, it was wet most around everywhere around here you know if you go down to chattanooga those guys were god they were swimming in it literally yeah um I talked to somebody up in Virginia while I was in San Diego. Said they had, it said his rain gauge quit working at ninety nine point nine <laughs> inches of rain. <laughs> what? <laughs> God, man! But it, you know, we were we were pretty much on average. It seemed like a lot of the big storms that came through just kind of skirted us yeah. and, and things like that. So we 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 did pretty good. You got any um, any projects or anything that's upcoming for this year Man, or, I don't, or want, you're just, you're I don't just, want any projects just, <laughs> i'm projected out for a little while i hear you so, man uh you know if i do you know we just did a little bunker and if i do that last bunker i'll be i'll be thrilled but uh you know i'm i'm really i'm projected out for a little while i'm i'm ready to just sit back and grow some grass and let life be good yeah well that's good i mean you needed just a little little status quo a little maintain and roll with it right <laughs> um you were you was, there, was i right you were involved in the in the either the middle tennessee superintendents or turf grass talk a little bit about your yeah, role yeah. with them i'm uh i'm the past president now uh tyler ingram oh. is, our, is our president uh for the middle tennessee golf course superintendent association um and yeah i'm I'm glad Tyler's president. It's it's a lot more work than you think goes into it. Uh, and I'm a former past president. I I served for two years. I don't know how long the term is anymore. But yeah, it's one year now. Yeah, so. I was two years. Uh, yeah, more man. Good for you, man. I was it's, on that board for seven or eight years. It's, was, yeah, it's a lot more work than like you I'm, think that it is. Oh yeah, and you know if something goes wrong, you know if somebody's not happy with the speaker selection or something, you 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 find out about it. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, thankfully, we've got Melissa uh, Martin, who does sure. a great job at keeping everybody. Got to get in touch in with right me, Melissa. Direction. We're going to go big with this podcast. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Melissa does a great job for for the whole state. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I, I've recently uh, taken over for for Paul Carter as the uh, chapter delegate for state of Tennessee. So that's my, I guess my only real responsibility right now, as far as. Uh, state or local chapter organizations go um and paul just got elected to uh to the board of directors for uh the gcsa so he's retired his seat as yeah. a delegate so. i saw that that's big 
That's a big step up, and congratulates to Paul. That's good to have somebody involved in that voting procedure and and see kind of the the tradition that they have behind all that stuff and watching the guys walk around in the white coats and and, uh, meeting a lot of past presidents and stuff like that. So We still got a long way to go as an industry to get, I think, to do recognition that we deserve. I mean, they're doing a lot better on – the TVs and the, and acknowledging the superintendents, but you know we got guys like Paul, yourself, a lot of lot of. I mean, almost every superintendent's solid in what they do and what they know. And I mean, it's just it. I think that's one of the big reasons why I want to do this is because get you know get information, get get people to know you, get get awareness to what you're doing, what you're going through, and and a little bit of uh, exposure to our industry that don't hardly. I yeah, feel like it no, doesn't hardly get in. It's it's come a long way. Um, oh yeah, it, you know it's still frustrating when you're watching a a golf tournament on Sunday afternoon and you see the credits rolling through and it shows you know the golf shop manager and the general manager and that's about it. Yeah, you know occasionally occasionally they do put the superintendent in there, but I've I've sat and watched places where I know who's you know who's calling the shots over there and they didn't mention him either by by neglect or maybe he said he didn't want his name mentioned yeah. you know so the, i think i think we kind of have to look at it with a different viewpoint sometimes of maybe maybe that guy doesn't want his name out there yeah. uh, maybe he wants to stay out of the spotlight and you know i've known guys who are like that that, that you know don't put my contact information on anything because i don't want anybody calling me <laughs> so well, I, I feel like we got to change that mindset, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you fall in line on that, but I, I, I think that it, the more exposure, the better. It exposes us to better opportunities, and, you know, that's just my opinion. But I do agree that it's come a long way, but it could be better. Yeah, for sure. So talk to me a little bit about what you do outside of work. What's some of the hobbies you like to do? I know you mentioned you had a wife. You, you yeah. Tell me about your family. and My wife and I, uh, we got married – Let's see, I got a six-year-old son, Archer, so we got married about seven or eight years ago. Um, Yeah, she probably won't hear this, so the seven or eight can get fuzzy, (laughs) Uh, and I won't get in trouble. Oh, we're going to send it to her. (laughs) (laughs) We actually got married on the golf course out here on number seven, Uh, so my my life truly does revolve around this place and my family, but uh, yeah, we got married on number seven, and uh, you know, we live in the neighborhood. I've got uh, now I have two sons. We just uh, my my oldest Archer. He's uh, he's six years old, and uh, my my youngest Fisher is just turned four months old yesterday. So we got a we got a, a short stack at the house. Not that not that I'm a tall stack by yeah. by any stretch of the of the word, but uh, uh, yeah. So everything pretty much right now revolves around the the young kid and and making sure that that everything's going good with him but uh you know coaching baseball or t-ball or uh i do the cub scout uh den leader for for archers uh cub scout den uh you know just hanging out with kids making pinewood derby cars sure things like that but uh yeah everything's everything's really close to home you know around here right so uh, yeah, we we were talking the other day about trying to find a soapbox derby or not not a soapbox. Yeah, that's what it is. Soapbox derby race where the kids ride in the cars. Yeah, and he's he's kind of gassed up about wanting to build one of those. So we're gonna 
think the closest one we found was in Chattanooga, so we're going to try to see if we can build one and get into a soapbox derby race. That's our, our next uh, big excursion as far as the uh, the older son goes. How did you land on Archer and Fisher? That's got to be either <laughs> you enjoy uh, the heck out of hunting yeah, well, or are you uh, – that's some family yeah, names. No, Ar- Archer is uh, is definitely – hunting uh you know that's that's where that came from and uh, you know it's it's a really unique name and everybody that uh first time they've heard it they said you name him after the cartoon character archer (laughs) i'm like i hadn't even seen the show and then i kind of got me hooked on the cartoon archer but um fisher my wife actually came up with and uh it's like yeah we were having a really hard time because figuring out a name for the second one and and She's like, I, I think either Bowman or Archer, or Bowman or Fisher, and uh, I was like, those are awesome. Just cross everything that I've got on the list off, <laughs> and, and we'll have to decide between these two. And it ended up being Fisher Bowman. So, uh, oh, I was gonna say, if you had another son, you'd have Bowman, <laughs> no, Bowman Fisher and Archer. Yeah, no, I'm 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 40. I'm done having kids. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm gonna pull the Mike Gundy rule on that. I'm 40. I'm done. Yeah. So. Well, anything uh, else going on in your world that you got coming up or, you know, in in business or outside of the – I know you got back from San Diego, and how was that? How did that go? Uh, it was it was a great trip. Uh, good to hang out with people and, and go down and do the trade show and see all the stuff that's down there. Uh, you know, I, I took a little walk around uh, Petco Park, and they had it torn up. They were get, looked like they were getting ready for a – dirt bike race or something in there uh took a minute and went over to uh coronado island and uh saw the hotel over there the his i guess it's sure. a historic land landmark um but uh yeah you know that, that, that's always great to go to san diego i mean you know granted it was 70 degrees 75 degrees here when when we were over there and it was 55. heard it was worse there than it was here <laughs> well i mean it know, rained though <laughs> that's 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 what they give us you yeah know. it rained on us over there for about two days but uh you know rain's not i guess not crazy common over there so most of the people that i talked to when i went out to eat your waitress or whatever she's like i don't know what's up with the weather out here it's never 55 and rainy so that's what happens when you invite a bunch of golf course superintendents out here it's gonna hey it's gonna they bring the on us a little that's bit that's right you know but yeah that's uh I always love going to that whenever I can find the means to do it. Uh, you know, I don't get to go every year, but but it's nice to go. Well, that's awesome, man. Man, we're we're out of time. Uh, goes that, by quick. That doesn't hour it? does go by quick, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. I, well, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. I am having a blast getting to know you guys, to talk to you, to get some word out to the the masses and the people that are – coming in to the podcast i keep pushing it and i hope this thing takes off like i have envisioned and it's early in the stages and guys like yourself who take the time out of their day to sit and talk with me to talk about their life and golf and just anything you know i mean i'm more than appreciative so i appreciate you coming on and and doing that and maybe we'll maybe we'll come uh maybe we'll have you back on uh sometime down the road and something other project you got going on is happening (laughs) Well, man, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, if you enjoyed it, go out and rate it and share it. Uh, it's available on iTunes or Google Play, 
uh, subscribe. And uh, we appreciate you listening. And, Brad, thanks again for being here, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. You're doing a great job. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your host, BJ Parker. This is the Making the Turn podcast. And you just listened to our latest episode where we sat down, or I sat down. I keep saying we, but I sat down and had a conversation with Brad Marcy over at uh, Indian Hills Golf Course in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It was a great conversation. I would appreciate I appreciate you listening. And uh, if you liked it, if, if you um, want to hear more, just be sure to subscribe, share this podcast out, tell all your buddies. we got a ton of great uh, content coming down the road, and I'm excited about it. So uh, be sure to follow Brad on all social media that he's on. I think he's on Twitter at, at Brad Marcy. Uh, you can find him there. I'm going to share out a link, but uh, had a great conversation with him about all things Indian Hills and what's going on in his life. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to introduce you to some people that are in the industry, that are guys that are doing great things, and we're going to get anybody and everybody. We're gonna, we want to be the number one green industry podcast, and we're well on our way. I appreciate all the feedback, all the all the um, kind words, and and we're early in the game, but we're we're um, we're moving in the right direction. So thanks for all the support. I appreciate you going and listening and sharing. And again, you know, couldn't do it without you guys. So thanks for taking your time to talk to me. And I, I look forward to all the great episodes coming down the future. So thanks. Hey man, have a good one. Till next time. This is B.J. Parker, and this was the Making the Turn podcast.